just before um, I come to speak to you, let us pray. Father, as we come to your word and discover more about you, may your spirit illuminate our hearts and our minds. We ask that you would deepen our love for you and our compassion for others as we learn more about who you are and what you have done for us. Amen. So I've got a PowerPoint. Um, I've put the theme of today or tonight as a consistently faithful God. Um, and I think we will see that throughout this story or the whole story of Abraham. When I was seven years old, all I wanted for Christmas was a Hornby model train set. Yes, I was that cool. Um, I begged my parents repeatedly. I was obsessed. It was all I wanted. And anytime I pestered my parents, did you get me that train set? All I got in return was, you'll have to wait and see. And I'm not sure when I decided that I wanted the train set, but from the perspective of a seven-year-old, it felt like I was waiting an eternity. In reality, I'm not sure it was even a full month, but there you go. But the closer Christmas came, the less patient I became. And eventually I decided to take matters into my own hands. I needed to know. So one evening I snuck up into the roof space. I went into the storage area and I started digging. And it wasn't long until I struck gold, or so I thought. The first bag was full of new toys. I pulled open the first thing and what did I find but a stuffed animal. That's not for me, that's, I think that was for my little baby brother. Opened the next bag, Barbie. Again, not for me, that was for my little sister. But then under that, I found a big box and I thought, bingo, this is it. This is the Hornby model railway set that I've wanted for all of three weeks. Now, that's what I thought. When I opened up the bag, what was it but rollerblades? Outrageous. How could they buy me rollerblades? I had made it explicitly clear I wanted the Hornby model railway set. So, disgusted and distraught, I marched myself downstairs and confronted them. How dare they? They knew what I wanted. This was outrageous. Of course, wrapped up in my own selfishness, I completely forgot I have an older sister, so it wasn't for me at all. So, <laughs> when I confronted my parents, I got a good scolding for being a spoiled brat but I also ruined the Christmas surprise for my older sister. So what had happened was, mum had gone out and bought presents for the three siblings, and dad had gone out and bought my present, and they'd hidden them in separate places. Now, you're probably wondering, why is he telling me about his Christmas present when he was seven years old? But, much like me, Abraham and Sarah really wanted a child, but, they weren't willing to wait, and they took matters into their own hands and made a big mess. But God was faithful, and after 25 years and eight chapters of waiting, Isaac is born. And in the Bible, it's incredibly brief. It's two verses. After eight chapters, we get two verses, and Isaac is born. But in those two verses, there is repetition three times about, uh, about God fulfilling his promise. So if you look at it with me, um, 
or they're not quite there, but ignore that slide. But anyway, start of verse 1. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. So the start of verse 1, there's one. There's one uh, promise. End of verse 1, the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. There's two. And then in verse 2, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised. So we get three times the repetition, God did as he promised. The repetition highlights that despite Abraham and Sarah's sinfulness, the repeated failures and the repeated need for repentance and forgiveness, God was faithful to his word and brought about his promises just as he had planned to do. So God is faithful and Abraham calls his son Isaac as God had commanded him to do. Now, the name Isaac is actually a gentle rebuke. If you remember, both Abraham and Sarah laughed at God when he promised them that he would give them a child in their old age. And the name Isaac actually means he laughs. God is gently reminding them nothing is too hard for him. Even an incredibly old couple giving birth to a son and now God has turned that laughter of disbelief into laughter of pure joy and jubilation at the birth of Isaac. But here's the amazing part of the story. Remember the re in the recap I told you that God's plan was to rescue and bless his rebellious world through Abraham's family line? Well, Isaac is only the beginning of God's plan, a foreshadowing, a picture of what is to come. So here's what we know about Isaac, and this is where the slide, thank you. Um, Isaac was a specially promised son. Isaac's conception was miraculous um, to such an old couple. Isaac was born after a period of great delay. Sarah was given assurance by the truth of God's omnipotence. So God appeared and told Sarah that she would have a son. Isaac was given a name rich in meaning before he was born. Isaac's birth occurred at the appointed time when God wanted it to happen. Isaac's birth was accompanied by great joy and jubilation. Does it sound familiar? The Sunday school child in all of you wants to scream it out, but the Presbyterian in all of you is holding you back. So I'll let you know. Of course, it's the, it's the Messiah, it's Jesus. Isaac is a picture of the Messiah to come, Jesus Christ, of God's true fulfillment of his promise and covenant. So I've got, you probably, I don't know if you can read it, but down the, down the left-hand side we have Isaac and down the right-hand side we have Jesus. So Jesus, just like Isaac, is a specifically promised son. Jesus' conception was miraculous. We had the virgin birth. Jesus was born after a period of great delay between the Old and New Testament. There's a, a big period of time before the Messiah finally comes. Mary was given assurance by God's omnipotence. So God appears to Mary and tells, him, tells her that uh, she will have a son. Jesus' name is rich with meaning before he is born. Jesus' birth occurred at God's appointed time. Jesus' birth was accompanied by great joy and celebration. God's plan to rescue and bless his rebellious world through Abraham's family line, it starts with Isaac, but it was finished with Jesus. So we'll go back to the story. Ishmael, the child of the sinful nature. Unfortunately, Sarah's joy soars quickly. Ishmael is mocking Isaac. It's not exactly clear 
how he's doing this or in what way. Some of the commentaries think he was mocking Isaac's status as Abraham's heir. So if that's the case, then he's being disdainful of Abraham himself. And even by extension, he's mocking God's plan. Sarah then goes to Abraham and demands Ishmael and Hagar cast out and sent away. Conflict has arisen between the promised son and the son who was born through sin. And this, dis- this upsets and displeases Abraham. Some of the translations say he, was, he went into a rage, he was outraged. I, you know, it, it says in the NIV he was displeased. I think that maybe understates his reaction. He, Ishmael is his son. He doesn't want to cast out his son. Um, and this certainly hasn't been written as advice to a father who has sons from two different marriages. Okay, so it's, it's for a context and a time. But Abraham is probably holding on to his alternative plan. What if Isaac dies? Ishmael is his backup plan. They lived in a time before modern medicine. They lived as nomads in a harsh world. They lived close to animals. A simple cut or broken arm could mean death for an infant. I'm sure Abraham has seen many of the children in his sort of household uh, have infant deaths. So he's probably conscious of that and he's unwilling to trust God. He's holding on to Ishmael. If Isaac dies, I still have an heir. I can still um, have a great nation. Abraham isn't fully trusting in God, despite God being faithful throughout his life. So Abraham goes to God in prayer and God tells him pretty clearly, his promises, his covenant are to be brought about through Isaac, not Ishmael. So cast out sin and hold to God and his promises. And here we see a glimpse of who God is and his character. God cannot abide sin. He cannot accept it. He cannot endure it. He is holy and just God and sin must be dealt with. Just like how I couldn't undo ruining Christmas for my sister, Sarah and Abraham cannot undo their sinful, uh, sinful activity uh, and the consequences of that sin are playing out before them. It has caused conflict, it has caused pain. Ultimately, God's plan would deal with sin, but for, nor, for now, Ishmael must be sent away. But Abraham is assured by God, he will look after Ishmael. He will make him into a great nation as well. So we had Isaac, the promised son, we've had Ishmael, the child of sin, and we have God abounding in grace. So Hagar and Ishmael are sent off into the wild and Abraham gives them some bread and a single skin of water. Now we know Abraham's a rich man. Abraham has vast flocks. Abraham was able to, to rally an army when he needed it. Probably not a particularly big one, but he was able to rally an army. He could probably give them more than one loaf of bread and a, one skin of wine. But Abraham understands that without God's help, no matter how much he gave them, it would never be enough. But with God's help, things would turn out to be all right. And sure enough, the water runs out and the bread is eaten. And Hagar leaves her son in the shade and walks a good way off because she cannot bear to watch him die. They're in a desperate situation. But not a situation that Hagar is overly unfamiliar with. Remember when she was pregnant with Ishmael, 
she fled into the desert because of Sarai. And the Lord appeared and comforted her. So she cries out to the Lord. And God hears the voice of Ishmael. As Hagar lifted up her voice and wept, God answered. But curiously, God answered in response to the voice of Ishmael instead of specifically to Hagar's weeping. So in some way, Ishmael might have cried out for mercy and help, which is where the commentaries link back and say, this must be that he was you know, mocking Isaac's position as an heir and therefore you know, mocking God, and so he, he needs repentance. That's the, the theory anyway. But anyway, God hears them, and he appears and says, fear not, for God has heard the voice of Ishmael where he is. Despite that desperate problem in the wilderness, God's promise to Hagar and Ishmael uh, gave them a reason not to fear. God showed special favor to Ishmael because he was descendant of Abraham. I will make him a great nation. Through Ishmael, or sorry, though Ishmael was not the son of the received covenant, God wasn't actually against him. And the descendants of Ishmael became a great nation, the Arabic people. God's love and provision provided to the, or God's love and provision is provided to those who call to him. It can be tempting to look at the story of Abraham's life as a group of moral tales. We read that Abraham leaves Ur and follows God, and we're like, be like Abraham, follow God where he leads. Then we read about Abraham pretending that Sarah's his sister, and we go, don't be like Abraham, don't tell lies. And then Abraham trusts in God's promises, and we're like, we should be like God, or sorry, be like Abraham and trust in the promises. And then Abraham uh, is impatient, and he sleeps with Hagar, and we're like, don't be like Abraham. But it's very reductive to do this, and we kind of lose the whole point of the story. The story is telling us far more about what God's up to and who God is, and that's far more important. So what does the story of Abraham tell us about God, his character, his promises, and his plans? Well, it tells us that our God is a God of forgiveness. Despite all the times that Abraham and Sarah have failed, rebelled against God, taken matters into their own hands, God brought them back to himself. He forgave them and continued to guide them. Just like them, no matter what we have done, we can be assured that through Jesus, we too can be forgiven. It also tells us that our God is a God who is in control and has a plan. God had a plan to rescue the world and nothing was going to stop him. No kings, no earthly powers, no failures of his people or his prophets. And sometimes we can feel like we're lost, that life is erratic or out of control, or even we can just feel powerless in the face of global events like wars and climate change and other things like that. But we can always take comfort in knowing that our God is a God who is in control and always, and always has been, and, ha- and his plan has rescued and blessed his rebellious world. Our God is a God who is consistent and never changes. Throughout the story of Abraham, God remains consistent and never changes. Both times that Abraham lies about Sarah being his sister, God keeps the Pharaoh and the king from sleeping with Sarah. And then he delivers both Abraham and Sarah out of the situations 
and sometimes they go away with more than they came with. They get lots of gifts. We can trust our God. He will never change his mind, change his character, or change his promises. He will be faithful to us. Our God is a God who loves the lost and provides for our needs. God loves Hagar and Ishmael and provides for them in their hour of need. When Ishmael cries out to the Lord, God acts in love, saving him and his mother from certain death, providing them with a new life and blessing them. When I think about our local community, about the fun day coming up, how wonderful it is to know that we have a God who loves this community, who wants to provide food for the Free Food Fridays, who has connected Marty with Radius Housing and, and linked that support for the fun day, who wants to love and provide for the lost people of this area. How blessed are we to serve a God like that? And finally, our God is a God who is faithful and, fi- and fulfills his promises. God promised Abraham a son and God delivered on his promise. He provided Abraham and Sarah with a son when they were 190 respectively. God made good on his promises to Abraham and continued to be faithful to these promises as the story, as the Bible story goes on beyond Abraham, as the Bible story goes on beyond Abraham. And nothing is too hard for our God. He is faithful to his promises and ultimately Abraham's family line blessed all nations when Jesus died on the cross. We have been blessed by God We have been blessed by God's promises. We have been rescued because of God's plan. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you're a God who reveals himself through the Bible, a God that makes himself known. Thank you for rescuing us from our rebellion and our sin and our waywardness. As we leave tonight, I pray that these things rest in our hearts and we become salt and light in the world around us, that we would reach out into this community to love the lost and provide for them. Father, thank you for all you've done for us. Amen.